Hello everyone, how are you doing? It's been a while, hasn't it? Yeah, I feel like it's been quite forever since I sat down to record an episode of the podcast, and I want to apologize for that. I meant for the show to go on a brief hiatus so that I could retool and recharge and get ready to come back bigger and better than ever. And then everything happened. It seems like every time I set a date to start recording again, something happened, and yeah, it became a convenient list of excuses to not do things. And excuses really are a problem, especially in this world where people have given themselves way too much permission to be hateful and spiteful and cruel. And so I kind of want to talk about that on today's episode of Project Shadow. to Project Shadow. It feels so good to be back. It's been a while. Yeah, I did not intend the hiatus to be as long as it was. In fact, I wanted the podcast to come back in January. And well, yeah, we all lived through January. We know what happened then, but a lot has been going on. A lot has changed. And I wanted to kind of start this off by kind of bringing you all up to speed. First of all, I'm doing music again. Yeah, I'm having a lot of fun doing it. If you didn't know, that's actually my music in the intro to this podcast. And I've been making really short audio clips for various things, including one thing that I'll be talking about in just a little bit that makes me very, very happy. I've also been doing full-length songs. I've done two ghost covers that are purely instrumental And I've done two original songs, and I'm just absolutely in love with them because I have stopped doing music for way too long. And it feels so good to be doing it again. I am under no illusion that I'm going to be the next big thing in music. That's not why I'm doing it. I'm doing it purely out of the love of everything. I, I really like doing it. I enjoy it so much, and it's great to have it back in my life. I'm also doing three YouTube channels now. One is my writing channel, which is at CE Dorset on YouTube. The other two, one is dedicated to my music and other such stuff, which is Project Shadow on the YouTubes. And I'm doing a third one dedicated to mysticism, spirituality, and all those kinds of things, which is Wisdom's Cry over there. And I'm having a lot of fun with all three. I just, I'm having so much fun with all of it. And that's been really difficult to do. That's been really hard to do because, well, you've lived through the last year. You you know, things have not been easy. Things have been really tricky for all of us, no matter what exactly is going on. 
all of us have been having problems and been facing trials and it's, I, I don't really want to be all complimentary and be like, yay us, we made it because so many of us didn't and even more are still struggling. But the one thing that I can say that I am super, super proud of is that through the discord, which you'll find a link in the show notes for this podcast to join that we have all banded together to help and support each other through these trying and difficult times. And that, that is just frankly amazing seeing the support that you all have had for one another. And for me over the last year, it it's truly phenomenal. And I just want to thank everybody for all that, but you know, there are darker, more sinister forces in the universe. And I think it's time we talk about some of those. In a world more divided than it has ever been, one non-binary person tries to make sense of it. But is that true? I mean, is it true? We hear this a lot, like, oh my goodness, we're so divided now. We're more divided than we've ever been. Oh, all the divided, so divided, so, so, so divided. I would posture, no, we are not more divided than we've ever been. Why? Uh, 1968 through 1972. Just, if you don't know the history, look it up. I mean, there were literal riots in the streets. And I don't mean riots as in these cutesy little things that get called riots today where some buildings get burnt down while people walk around. I'm talking about, like, one side on one side of the street, the other side on the other side of the street, full-on brawling riots. Violence. Unprecedented in U.S. history, with the exception of the Civil War, or the War of 1812, or the Revolutionary War. Like, honestly, I don't think we could ever be more diametrically opposed to each other than we were during the Revolution. Let's let's be honest. (laughs) Should we be part of Great Britain or not? Should we be part of the British Empire or not? We were pretty divided back then. But it, it makes good money to say, oh, look how divided we are. But it makes even more money to foster that division. This, this is what makes us different now. This is what makes things feel so different now. There's an entire industry in our country dedicated to fostering fear, to fostering anger and fostering hate. Now, before you go, "Mm, that fake news media, that's not actually the problem. That's not it at all. See, the real problem is the security companies, the private prisons, the gun manufacturers, the entire infrastructure that we've built to teach self-defense. And while those things may or may not be necessary depending on where you live, they sure do pose a threat to our society as a whole. You see, once you have a financial interest baked into your culture for people to despise one another, 
to be fearful of one another. It only helps you if those divisions can be exacerbated. It only helps you if you can stoke those fears, increase those divisions. Maybe even cause an entire segment, say, oh, I don't know, 30% of the population to believe an election was stolen and that everything that they see on the TV is a lie. All news is a lie because only we can tell you the truth. And what is the truth? That you should be afraid. You should be very afraid. Have we, have we talked about the latest boogeyman? Oh, oh, you're tired of that boogeyman? Here, let me introduce a new one. Yeah, there's money to be made in causing people to be afraid. And honestly, as a writer, I don't have a problem with some of it. If you're making horror movies, thrillers, your job is to scare people in a way that they don't believe is true. But when you're out there actively convincing people that up is down, left is right, the world is flat, and only I can show you the truth. Mm, you've done a terrible thing, a great disservice to the world. And anytime you hear somebody doing that or saying that, look to the money. We are in a capitalist society, after all, and it's very important that you always follow the money. And the money goes back to the interests that want to keep those private prisons, that want to keep selling arms and munitions, that benefit from the chaos. And we're not really going to move forward as a society so long as the hate industrial complex is allowed to have sway and dominion over our people. Only when we face this head on can we actually have a talk about how to fix it. I don't want to get too Star Wars-y on everyone, but Yoda really had this right. Anger leads to hate. Hate leads to suffering. This is a problem, and I know I simplified it, but I, I did that on purpose. This is the pipeline that we're currently suffering from. Is You have to be angry. Anger is money, after all. You see, the more angry we can get people on Twitter, on Facebook, on any of these platforms, the more time they, you spend there. The more time you spend on there, the more ads can be presented to you. And those, and those ads are money. Those ads are how these people are going to fund themselves. Oh, yes, of course, it's innocent, after all. They're only showing people what they want to see. But we are a cruel species at heart, and a compassionate one. You see, we have this wonderful dual nature where we enjoy watching violence. We enjoy having our dopamine receptors fire off. So the more anger we have, the better. It's really easy to make us angry. And there's so much to be angry about. And it works both ways. Let's stoke anger and fear of trans people. Yes, those dirty, dirty trans people like me who 
might, in some way, shape, or form, use a bathroom. Oh, oh my, a bathroom. How, how dirty of you. Mm. But what about those dirty, dirty trans people that play sports? Yeah. You know, trans people have been able to participate in sports, especially even at the Olympic level, for a very long time now. And the only person who has ever been called out for having too much testosterone in their system was actually a cisgendered woman from Africa. Because, you see, when you exercise and work out, your body produces more testosterone to produce more muscles. So... Hmm. It's, 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 it's a self-perpetuating cycle, but that's neither here nor there. Be afraid. Be afraid of the scary trans people. Because we're so frightening, don't you know? And that fear turns into legislation, and that legislation stokes the fear and the hatred on the one side, and, oh, it has this beautiful added benefit of stoking fear and hatred on the other side, because how dare you try to take my rights away from me? You evil, evil, bad people, you. And so here we are, fighting one against the other. Anger, jealousy, hatred, fear. It builds and builds and builds on itself, while other people profit. Now, this is really a diabolical scheme. Because as a trans person, you cannot simply allow anti-trans legislation to go unchallenged. You can't, because they are coming after you and your community. So you have to push back. But that pushback feeds the fear, anger, and hate that has already been stoked on the other side, which causes them to lash out more, which causes you to push back harder, which causes them to lash out more, which causes you to push back harder, and oh, behold the flowering of anger, hate, and jealousy for those who need the money to make the money. It's a trick, it's a grift, and it's a terrible one. Because not everyone realizes that they're caught inside the grift. And even worse, it's a really hard grift to escape, to not feed into. Because like I said, when they come after your community, what are you supposed to do? Just roll over and let them have it? Let them take away your rights, your children's rights, the rights of other people? No, you have to stand up. And so back and forth the ball goes. Well, I'm outraged at you, you're outraged at me, let us outrage, outrage, outrage. And let the corporations that benefit from this outrage continue to prosper all along. This is a problem, and we have to see through it if we're going to get where we need to go. But that road is not going to be easy. So what is the solution? What do we do? What do we actually do? Well, you've heard me over the years talk a lot about compassion, and compassion, I do believe, is the answer here. But unfortunately, it's going to take a lot of work on everyone's part, and a lot of the people that need to do the work are unwilling to do so. So until then, we need to have the courage to be compassionate. 
So what is compassion? Well, I highly recommend that you go to charterforcompassion.org and read all the wonderful things that they have there. They have wonderful resources resources for compassionate businesses, compassionate cities, and living a compassionate life. But it's all based off of the gold and silver rules. Do unto others as you would have them do unto you, and don't do to others what you would not have them do unto you. Very simple, very straightforward, very hard to do. But we need to start asking the hard questions. Council of Geeks has a wonderful video up on their channel where the question that needs to be asked is asked, have we been making our own monsters? By calling someone a transphobe rather than saying that they are transphobic, are we giving them an identity to latch onto? Are we not diagnosing the actual problem? Is anyone actually a transphobe? Is anyone actually a homophobe? Or are they suffering from a condition of transphobia, of homophobia? Are they racists or suffering from racism? This is a really important question to start asking ourselves because in our own rhetoric, we need to be careful as best as we can not to be feeding into the problem, not to be feeding the beast that just wants us angry and yelling at each other. Who? (laughs) I'm not going to go into that. Yes, these forces want us at each other's throats. And this doesn't mean that we stop fighting. It doesn't mean that we stop pushing forward to achieve the things that we want to do. But it does mean that we need to start asking more about how we are wording what we are saying, how we are approaching the issues before us. And yes, sometimes we have to be shocking with phrases like defund the police, which are scary. And yes, the opposition will use them against us and say, ha ha ha. Well, who are you going to call when that person breaks into your house? Well, no, that's not the thing at all. We've had some really interesting conversations in my own hometown with the police about, you know, if there's a domestic dispute, would you rather a counselor be sent out or you. Because, as they will freely admit, they're not trained to deal with the psychological issues that may be going on in that location. The actual analogy that we've been using, for example, is one that a lot of them are comfortable with, and that's war. Would you go into a situation without sending a scout first? Don't you recon and reconnoiter an area before you send in the troops? How else do you know if it's a trap? Or maybe even a place where the troops don't need to be. Ah, so wouldn't it be better to send in somebody who's trained in de-escalation and actually evaluating the circumstances before you send in an armed officer who has none of that training? And all of a sudden you see the light bulb come on in their head. Because this is what we mean when we say things like defund the police. That yes, we need to have these discussions. Why should a police officer be the first line of defense? If somebody's having a heart attack, I don't want the police to show up. I want an EMT. So when you call 911, they're already used to sending out the appropriate resources for the problem. You don't send the police to deal with a fire. You send the fire department. We already have the infrastructure in place. 
We just need to make sure that we actually have the resources available to be dispatched. That's what we're actually talking about. So learning how to have these conversations is the first part. Having that compassion to understand that they are reacting to the words and not actually listening to them. This is one of the reasons why we often call people like this reactionaries, because their instinct is to simply react and not to listen. And if we are going to get anywhere, we have to find a way to get through to them and make them listen. We have to have the courage to be compassionate. Now, I'm going to need you to pay attention to the words that I'm about to say, because they're going to be very easy to take out of context. They're going to be very easy to distort and to not listen. And I'm not saying this more to the audience of this podcast, but to people that may try to take me out of context. And I admit I have no control over them, but I want to say this very carefully. Division is for the most part an illusion. It is an illusion that has been very carefully crafted over us to keep us from having solidarity with each other. You see, if you can make issues about race and how much melanin a person has in their skin or what accent they speak or even what language they speak, it makes it harder for us to realize that Being poor is a common, shared problem. Being downtrodden, being overlooked and uncared for, being unhelped. It's very easy to raise taxes on the poor for the benefit of the rich when you don't have to worry about them putting it together because they're so distracted hating each other over their gender their gender expression, their color. And that's what this is all about. You see, many of the divisions that actually exist are illusions. I myself, I know it's shocking to a lot of people, am a Christian. And if we actually read our Bibles, you know, those books we're told to read all the time, We would see in there that God is love, and anything that is not of love is not of God. Also, God is not an author of confusion. Yeah. You see, those verses are not uh, convenient to a lot of people right now who are both acting from a place of hate and fear. True love casts out fear, we are told, after all. So, anyone who's telling you to be afraid, they're not actually preaching the gospel that they claim to. But of course, we're not supposed to mention that. Because it distracts from the illusion. And the illusion's what's important. You see, if we're standing up for our good, godly values, how dare we give in to the devil? (sighs) But the problem is, when you're too busy looking at the devil that's being pointed out to you, the devil that you're not looking at will get you. They're kind of like raptors in Jurassic Park, after all. If you're pointing way too much at the one monster over there, who knows what's circled around to get you from the sides. 
And that's the illusion that we're fighting against. That's the war that we're constantly struggling against. Yeah, they're coming for us. They're coming for us and our children. Think of the children. All my life I've been told to think of the children. Even when I was a child, I was told to think of the children. But no one actually was. Oh, what if the children learn that homosexuality is a thing? What if they learn that there are transgender people? Then maybe in my case, I wouldn't have had 40 years of suffering if I knew about non-binary genders. I would have been better off. But you're not actually thinking about the children. That's just an easy way to cover up the fear, the anger, and hatred that other people are profiting off of. And that's not always true. Sometimes the hate mongers themselves are gaining the profit, either through financial donations and other monetary aid, or through collectivizing power so that they can rule over the divided masses. Now, we have to look through the illusion. We have to force our way through the illusions that are being cast over us. Or they're just going to take us down and destroy us. And I, for one, am not here for it. I I really am all hippy-dippy on the inside. All you need is love. That's really true. It's true in ways that are hard to express. But that doesn't make them any less valid. So I'm not saying that we don't have a right to be angry, or hurt, or upset, or offended. But we need to be careful about how we allow those emotions to fuel our actions. Exactly how we allow them to engage in our activism. Because sometimes it's important for people to see how hurt we are. Sometimes it's important to show the pain. Because not everyone is devoid of empathy. And it's a good way, sometimes, to get people to finally break through and understand what it is we're going through. But it's important for us not to be the reactionaries. Remember, in this world where we are incentivized to let our first take, that hot take, be our only take. And when it's challenged to double down on it and to never give way and let it stand for all time and eternity as the immortal truth of our being. Sometimes it's worth it to just sit back and think for a minute, devise a plan. To act intentionally rather than to react. It's not easy. But nothing worth doing ever is. Because if we're going to get to any of these magical, wonderful places that we dream of, these states of being where people can go to the doctor without fear of bankruptcy where we actually take care of one another and feed one another and clothe and house one another. If we're going to get to these places 
that we seek to go. It's going to take all of us working together and not allowing the agents of hate and division to break us down and cause us to fight amongst ourselves. Don't get me wrong. It's tempting. It's really tempting. Like, I really don't like that when they go low, we go high way of doing things. And that's actually not what I'm advocating. I'm just saying that we need to be more deliberate in our action so that it is not as easy for those who wish to profit off of our anger or off of our very existence to manipulate our words and deeds into tools to be used against us. We can do this. We're we're winning in so many ways. Like, I know we're not supposed to be like, oh, yay, corporation did a pride thing. But together with pride, the new cereal from Kellogg's is a victory. It's, It's a hollow victory. It doesn't mean a lot, but it is a huge victory. Think about that. They think it is more in their financial interest to do a pride-themed cereal with edible glitter. Of course, it has edible glitter. Anyway, to do a pride cereal with edible glitter than not to do it. Because the audience of people who support pride far exceeds the number of people that will protest and possibly boycott them for doing it. It's a sign of victory. It really is because they don't do anything that's not financially in, tr- of, in their favor. But it's not an actual victory. It's just a symptom, a sign that we're winning. So, yeah, I, I, I'm not going to be doing just exclusively deep topics like this. We're, we're going to talk about some TV shows and some movies and some books and various other things along the way this season. So don't worry about that. But remember, we're here for each other in this nightmare world where all things fall apart and it feels like we're never, ever going to have the wonderful world that we strive to live in. Only together can we stop Asian hate. Can we remind the idiots who don't believe that black lives matter, that black lives matter, that black trans lives matter? And that trans identities are magic. Until next time, don't forget to share this podcast and visit all of the many things that I do that will be linked in the show notes. Until then, may you have the courage to ride your dreams into reality. And don't forget to have the fun. Bye. Bye.